Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Blair, wife, mother of three, author of Holistic Wealth, and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. The show will showcase various experts in the key pillars of holistic wealth. Each week, we deliver the best information on how to become holistically wealthy and live your best life. Today, we have another special solo episode. And I'm excited to be with you here again for another week to discuss another important topic. And today we're discussing the topic of quiet quitting. And it's become such a trending topic on social media. We've been hearing it in the news. And I thought I'd just share my thoughts about it with you. And of course, I'd love to hear your feedback. So send me, you know, your messages as you normally do uh, when you finish this episode. But I just want to pause a moment here just to acknowledge our sponsors. The Institute on Holistic Wealth sponsors the Holistic Wealth podcast. And you can find their website at www.instituteonholisticwealth.com. There are a range of courses available, such as the new Trauma of Money course, which has been getting rave reviews, as well as the Signature Certified Holistic Wealth Consultant Program as well as several other certification programs and other courses. There's a membership platform available with resources to help you live a holistically wealthy lifestyle. So you can go ahead and check that out. And so today's topic, again, we're talking about the topic of quiet quitting. And I'm sure everyone is intrigued with this topic. I know when I heard it for the first time, I thought, wow, uh, um, you know, on the heels of the great resignation wave, which was talked about quite a bit. And so there's so many social, cultural and economic forces in play right now. At this point, we're facing headwinds with the economy, with high inflation. Many experts are now predicting a recession in summer of 2023. People are finding it hard to make ends meet. I mean, many people are now living paycheck to paycheck. And it's far more than before the pandemic. People are facing increased insecurity with jobs and so many economic forces at play, right? And then when you think of the cultural, social forces at play, we have a mental health epidemic. We have a racial epidemic. You know, we saw a lot of those racial riots with the George Floyd killing. And of course, all of that has spilled over into our work lives and into our, you know, our careers and businesses. And of course, have brought certain issues in the workplace to the fore, you know, as we talk about mental health or well-being, which is now a priority for many people and it, as it should be. And as well, people facing different levels of discrimination at work. So there are a lot of different cultural, social, economic headwinds that we're facing. And so what is this quiet quitting? So quiet quitting really took on this huge significance based on this TikTok video that went viral. It just exploded. And I think it now has over 3.4 million views. And so there are some distinctive features of quiet quitting, a term coined to describe how people are approaching their jobs and professional lives differently to manage burnout. And so checking out at 5 p.m., on the dot, for instance, and not going over and only doing your assigned daily tasks, limiting chats with colleagues and not working overtime. 
those are some of the distinctive features and hallmarks of quiet quitting. And it's a term coined to describe how people are approaching their jobs and professional lives differently to manage burnout. And so the phrase has garnered so much media attention with, you know, people on both sides of the coin. But mainly what I think is great is forcing, you know, employers to adapt and to look at systems and to look at how they can change and pivot. And, you know, as we look at a post-pandemic world, the kind of world we want to live in, and of course, it was never a sustainable model in the very beginning to have legions and millions of employees around the world burnt out. That's just a recipe for disaster. That's a recipe for failure. When we look at the levels of economic inequality, even throughout COVID-19, it's unbelievable because it just goes to show who the beneficiaries were in terms of our economic model. And as an economist, it's honestly very heartrending to see the statistics and to see the growing gap between the rich and the poor and the perils of that, even if we look at you know it in a workplace concept. It's just really staggering when we look at the fact that the richest 10% of the world's population now owns 76% of the wealth. And so a recent report by the World Economic Forum warns that economic inequality is approaching levels not seen since the early 20th century, right? When the U.S. industry was controlled by a handful of basically rich and wealthy robber barons. And so it's unbelievable when we talk about economic inequality and we talk about issues in the workplace where employees are already not feeling adequately compensated for their work. You have several big, big, huge companies that we know of that we shop at, you know, sometimes that pay their employees minimum wage and they mark up their products by 70%. And so when you can't see your way out as an employee, you know, and you're already burnt out, you're going above and beyond. Many people are telling me that it's just not a sustainable model. It's just crushing, crushing mentally, physically, spiritually, and financially. So that's what I'm hearing back from people who I've talked to about the topic even prior to doing this episode. and. You know, it's unbelievable what's happening in terms of the social and cultural headwinds, because what we're seeing is all these things being brought to bear as people kind of rethink what they want their lives to look like and how they want to live in a sustainable way that will allow them, right, to thrive and to grow. So basically, this quiet quitting is a renewed commitment to life beyond the workplace But behind the trend, we have a lot of different stark realities. As I mentioned, employees want to be fairly compensated for their additional time, their work, their overtime. COVID-19 has exacerbated burnout as many employees went above and beyond, right, to try to do their tasks in an environment that was very, very stressful for obvious reasons. And so occupational burnout and mental health issues rose significantly. And so the ball is now squarely in the court of employers, managers, and executives to basically create workplaces that can adapt, that are flexible. And I will say this, we need more holistically wealthy workplaces 
We need more holistically wealthy leaders. I've been on both sides of the coin. I've been a leader, leading teams. I've been an employee being led and a founder. And so I see both sides. And what we need now is employers, managers, leaders to step up and to be bold and to effect that change, to effect that change. Because as I said, we do need holistically wealthy workplaces. We need holistically wealthy leaders and we need holistically wealthy employees, right? It makes no sense to push employees to the brink of the precipice where they're facing burnout and there's no coming back. Because once your health suffers in a serious and a significant way, it's hard to come back. And that's what a lot of employees are realizing. And I'll give you a personal story. And this story was outlined in my new book, Holistic Wealth Expanded and Updated. It's a very, very personal story. When I think about it, it still brings tears to my eyes because my husband started dying at work. He started dying at work. And as I outlined in my book, He sat there, he was not feeling well, but he had a lineup of colleagues and managers at his door asking him to check their work. So they lined up outside one by one, single file outside his door with their files in hand. If you can picture that, waiting outside his office for him to check their work. He was very good at what he did. And so they trusted his judgment and he wasn't feeling well. He wasn't feeling well. And that was the day he died. And as the doctors said, and as, you know, people said to me afterwards, he might have felt a tightening in his tummy, maybe not much pain at that point. He may have felt a tightening in his tummy when the internal bleeding started. And that would have been the perfect time for him to get up and run, to get up and say, no, I need to go to the emergency room, not even to the doctor's office, to the emergency room to deal with what he was feeling. But In all fairness to him, he did not know he was ill. He did not know he was dying. And he took the decision to stay, to check their work, diligently go through everything. And he worked until after five that day, he came home at around 6 p.m. And that's when all hell broke loose. And we rushed him to the hospital. And within three hours, he was dead. He waited too long. He made a life and death decision at work under extreme duress, under extreme stress, and not with all the information that he should have had. But guess what? Most of us are making decisions, life and death decisions at work, and we're not even aware. And millions of people around the globe are doing this day in, day out. Because you know what, guys? We'll never have perfect information to make our decisions. We'll probably have only one third of the information at hand, but we still need to be able to be in a position where we can act and act decisively to make a decision, to make a decision that will not only save our lives, but save our families, right? So I brought up this example because for me, it's very personal. I outlined it in this new and expanded version of Holistic Wealth to bring home the point, to bring home this exact point that we need changes in our workplaces. We need changes, bold changes in leadership. We need flexible, adaptable, adaptable workplaces where employees can thrive. That if an employee feels that tightening or a pain that they can get up and run and be like, you know what? I need to check this out right now. Even if they don't know at that point 
what the implications are. And that's how flexible we need to be. Now, COVID-19 has ushered in some of those changes already in terms of working from home, which helps a lot with situations like that, right? Because as we know, being in the office constrains things a lot, especially when you have those demands that my husband did with a lineup at his door, people coming with their files in hand. At least it takes away that type of pressure, right? So COVID-19 has already started that change that we needed. We need to follow through. Leaders, workplaces, employers, managers, I'm putting the onus on you. You need to follow through on this to make workplaces and to make work careers thrivable and more sustainable. And I'm telling you that the impacts of this are generational. They can have monumental impacts on our economy. And it's unbelievable. I wish somebody could put this into monetary terms, the impact that would have on the economy, because I know there are millions of people making that decision that my husband did with not much information and they're making life and death decisions right there at work. Now, if he had gotten up, chances are we would have had a better outcome, but many employees and in his position don't have that chance, that opportunity. And it's sad because we're losing loved ones. We're losing our health. We're losing our sanity. And we're seeing that growing gap between the rich and the poor. We're seeing employers hoarding profits, not compensating, not going above and beyond themselves. So we need to see that happen. So on a previous episode, we spoke to Shelly Zalis, CEO of the Female Quotient. And she talked about, and I asked her this question, why are companies so slow to change? Why are they so slow to change with different aspects like gender equality, all of these things that we're talking about? And she gave a wonderful explanation. So if you want to go back and listen to that podcast episode after this one, feel free to do that. And as I said, it's with Shelly Zalas, as I mentioned before, and she mentioned that Fortune 500 companies are so slow to change and we need to change that. We need to have a motorboat mentality, as Shelly said, where it's so hard to change, but we need to make those changes quickly and we need to adapt. And that's what COVID-19 has shown us, right? That we need to adapt. So while the term quiet quitting may be a new term and invention, the mentality behind it is not. Many are saying, you know, the phrases work to rule, for example, just which describes a labor action in which employees strictly perform the work laid out in their contract without taking on additional work. That was a term, a labor term that way back when was there prior to this quiet quitting term. And um, there's another term called retired in place where people wait out their retirement doing, in essence, the same thing with the same features. And so what they're saying is that this isn't new. This isn't really a new mentality. It's just a different term. So many people have told me that They have gone above and beyond, but they haven't gotten recognized for their work. And even the recognition, even if it's just a handshake, is not enough when you think that people can't cover their bills. They're, you know, worried about their personal finances. They're worried about their mental health, their physical health. And so you're taxed and employees have been taxed to the limit. And so going above and beyond, some people are telling me that that does not necessarily win you the loyalty of your employer, right? You go above and beyond and somebody else gets the fruit of your labor. And that's what's been happening for years, right? 
And so the great resignation wave was another term, you know, triggered by COVID. And so we've seen that droves, millions of people are reevaluating their relationship to work, especially during a life-changing health crisis, right? And so that's also part of it. It just marks a cultural shift, which started, I think, you know, according to one article in the mid-2010s, when we saw hustle culture and this whole trend towards hustle, hustle, hustle more. Of course, that changed when people realized, right, that it's not feasible, it's not sustainable. And so, of course, we saw the passion economy, you know, in in 2018, that kind of arose and people started looking at, you know, how they could make money from their passions and still a big thing, still a big trend. And people are starting to do that. And of course, millennials and Gen Z in particular are starting to, you know, think about what they want in their careers. And work-life balance is a priority for them. It's a priority for many people now, whether or not. And so I want to just get back to this notion of what a holistically wealthy workplace would be like and having, um, you know, holistic wealth integrated into our workplaces, because that's generally what should be happening now. And I think that's the solution to all of this. That's the solution. How can we make employees, right, holistically wealthier? We need employees to thrive and to grow and to feel valued and to feel like they're not just stagnating and everything around them and their lives are stagnating, but they're growing. And so in the book, Holistic Wealth, I spoke about the six principles of holistic wealth. And I just wanted to go back there just to, you know, just to give you a quick recap of what those six principles are. And if you haven't had a chance to get a copy of Holistic Wealth Expanded and Updated, that book, I hope you do get a copy. Get one for your friend, get one for your boss, get one for your colleagues, human resources leaders, leaders in organizational change, leaders at work, bosses, everyone. You need to get a copy of this book. It's so relevant to the times we're in and what we need to be doing It is basically the antidote. It is the antidote to a lot of these social, cultural, economic changes that we're seeing. And I'm so grateful to the readers and to the listeners of this podcast who already supported it and who have, you know, sent me messages of support. So let's just go through quickly some of the principles because they do apply and they're so relevant, right, to this problem. So the law of abundance, let's start there because I get the feeling that there's still so much scarcity mindset out there. Scarcity mindset in leadership, scarcity mindset with employers, with organizations. And we need to, we need to shed that. When we think about our employees, we need to remember the law of abundance. The law of abundance emphasizes that there are enough resources available for each of us to live an abundant and holistically wealthy life right? We just need to learn to define abundance in more holistic and creative ways to fully enjoy it. And when I say creative ways, I mean, even at work, there are enough resources. There does not need to be hoarding of resources, right? There's room to share with employees. With There's room to share. There's room to share. There are enough resources. So from an employer-employee perspective, You know, there needs to be that more caring, sharing, holistic view. We need to view each person holistically. 
the law of spiritual renewal. And this law focuses on the power of mindfulness, meditation for mental renewal. For a lot of people too, that means the power of prayer. This work, when we talk about the work of spiritual self-renewal, enables us to transition from a state of scarcity and pessimism to one of gratitude. And the gratitude, of course, needs to go both ways. And, and, and what this is saying from a personal perspective is that we are going through so much during this time. We've been through almost three years of this pandemic. And so just renewing the mind and incorporating some of this at work. How can we incorporate this into our wellness programs? Meditation for mental renewal, mindfulness, and mindfulness is key at work. And I'm not talking about just putting in place a mindfulness program. I'm talking about the case of my husband, for instance, that I referenced earlier, where if he recognizes symptoms in his body, that he can get up and make that decision to leave. Mindfulness is a critical part of that, not only on the part of the employee, but on the part of employers, managers, leaders. We need to be mindful that if we create a stressful work environment where we're only counting widgets, right? We're not looking at the longer term impacts on employees' health, that we're going to create a sick and toxic organization. And there are a lot of sick and toxic organizations out there. We don't need more of them because that's what's perpetuating all of these issues. That's what's perpetuating a mental health epidemic, a racial epidemic, and every other type of epidemic you can think about. It's because how we view, we view our resources with a scarcity lens, and that's part of the problem. So the law of purpose is another one, emphasizes that each one of us has a unique purpose in life, and to live a holistically wealthy life, it's necessary to seek out your purpose and live it authentically. So I want to say this right now that if there are listeners listening in and you feel like you're in a toxic workplace, if you feel that you're not getting a chance to thrive and grow, then really think about your purpose and think about how you can enact it. Think about how you can enact it. And if it means finding somewhere else, looking at your options, then that's also the case. Now, purpose is so big and broad that I find that it can be within the context of a current position. We just need organizations to step up, right? And create those workplaces where people can find meaning, find meaningful work, and they can grow. And I'm just going through the Holistic Wealth Personal Workbook, which outlines these different principles. And of course, there's the Holistic Wealth updated and, and expanded book, so you can get a copy of both. So that with the Holistic Wealth Personal Workbook, you can also go through and write down, right? And go through and do the exercises. The law of reciprocity. The law of reciprocity. How are we reciprocating in the workplace? Is there reciprocity in the workplace? So that's another big challenge to leaders, leadership, human resources, <laughs> teams, team leaders. Is there reciprocity? Now, the law of reciprocity is about give and take in all aspects, from finances to our personal relationships. When we enrich each other's lives, our own lives become enriched. Are employees feeling enriched? Are they feeling enriched? Are your employees feeling enriched? That's a key question to ask. 
The law of natural harmony and balance. This is critical. The law of natural harmony and balance highlights the importance of equilibrium in all aspects of life. Exercise for physical renewal, spending time in nature, eating well, nurturing relationships. Balance encourages us to attend to our priorities so that we don't neglect one area of our life in favor of another. That balance is what employees are asking for. And it's, it's not just, you know, in one area in terms of time flexibility. It's with location flexibility. Location flexibility, especially for women, for mothers, people in multi-generational households, we're not only looking after children, they're looking after elderly parents. We have more multi-family households during COVID now than before. And so people are already stretched. How can they find more balance? And how can we help enable that? How can we help enable that? Right? And that's what's needed, this harmony and balance. Harmony and balance. You know, I wrote an article about the productivity paradox on medium.com. You know, if you're listening in, you can check it out. And what I was talking about was this focus on productivity that's kind of warped. We have a warped view of productivity in our society. We think productivity is pushing employees to the limit and extracting every ounce from them. Just like how when we think about resources, we think about extracting every ounce. When we think about our environment, we think about extracting every ounce. And that's kind of what's killing us today, right? That's kind of what's killing us. It's not about extracting every ounce. And productivity shouldn't be about extracting every ounce. That's kind of a backways uh, view of it. You know, sometimes rest is productive. Sometimes rest is more productive than anything else that you can do in the moment if it's called for and if your body needs it to go on. Sometimes tuning in, meditation, listening to your intuition during different times of the day is what's more productive because it helps you become a better employee, a better leader. You make better decisions. You have better focus. You're not stressed out. You're not angry. You're not frustrated. You have a clear mind. You have more energy. Your brain has gotten a chance to rest. And these are some of the things that we need to be talking about and looking at. So the law of natural harmony and balance is very important. The law of continuous learning, and I'm not just talking about on-the-job learning or learning how to, to do a skill, but this is talking about growing. And it includes community endeavors, activities like community endeavors, mentorship, networking. Okay, so I'm not talking about you know, just on the job skills. I'm talking about the type of community endeavors and learning that takes place outside of the workplace that make us whole, make us more meaningful and give us, you know, gives us that opportunity to enact our purpose, which is broader than any one employer, broader than any one job title, I dare say. And so just to sum up these principles and how they apply, and I'm calling on employers you know, and leaders to listen in, to do the work, to dive deeper, to see how, you know, we can create more holistically wealthy workplaces. Now, the Institute on Holistic Wealth has resources available. If you're in human resources leadership, if you're an employer and you want some of these things enacted in your workplace on your specific team, it doesn't even have to be a big, broad mandate, yet it can start at a grassroots level. 
So contact the Institute on Holistic Wealth. You can send me information. My email is at info at keishablur.com if you need more information or you want to explore these options. And of course, you know, this is such an important topic going forward as we think about what we want to do. Now, another resource that I have made available to teams, to groups, is the Holistic Wealth Project Group Resource Kit for groups. It can be within the workplace. It can be outside of the workplace. It can be a church group. It can be a leadership group. It can be an entrepreneurial group. It can be any kind of group where you want to come together and be accountable to each other for advancing your life in a holistic, holistically wealthy way. And so I've made that kit available. It's free. And, you know, if you want to take the initiative, wherever you work or in your business to create holistically wealthy teams and a holistically wealthy workplace, it's available. And of course, as I said before, there's so many resources available on the Institute on Holistic Wealth website. And we really have a chance. We're at an inflection point right now. We really have a chance to craft, to craft that better world we want to see, a better world that is holistically wealthier, where people can thrive and grow and not feel like your job is a death sentence, both literally and figuratively speaking. And as I said, I know that from experience, and it's very, very painful because all of this can be prevented. And there are solutions at hand that we can use to enrich each other, to support each other. And we can take advantage of that right now. We don't need to wait. There are resources available. So everyone have a great rest of the week. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. I hope you were enriched and I hope you too will reach out to me and take advantage of some of the resources that I mentioned in this episode Uh, like the various books and on the Institute on Holistic Wealth website. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week on Holistic Wealth with Keisha Blair. Make sure to visit our website, KeishaBlair.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Are you a member of the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If not, what are you waiting for? Go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to choose your membership plan and join. As a member, you get so many perks, free worksheets, advice, coaching, and a member's workshop to design an intentionally designed life. You need to figure out your life purpose? Take the Build Your Life Purpose Portfolio online self-paced course. You're struggling with all your money decisions? Take the free financial identities quiz and then take the course. You recently had a breakup, job loss, or experienced the death of a loved one? Take the holistic healing course. You need an overall plan to achieve holistic wealth? We will help you figure out your holistic wealth blueprint. And of course, if you want to start making money by helping others achieve holistic wealth, become a certified holistic wealth consultant. Regardless of what career you've got, the Institute will show you how to increase your income and walk in your purpose. The sooner you join, the sooner you start to achieve a more holistically wealthy lifestyle. And you're going to want to stay for a 
very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning, best-selling Holistic Wealth 32 Life Lessons to help you find purpose, prosperity, and happiness. 